Hello, Guitar Smarts listeners. This is an important announcement. Please don't skip ahead. We start this podcast with a special message. Way back in 2021, Guitar Smarts had the pleasure of interviewing the utterly fantastic Matt Long. Matt is a multiple award-winning British blues guitarist and lead singer of the British blues band Catfish and hard rock outfit The Revenant Ones. He joined us for episode number 20 and was a truly gracious guest who spoke about his career, his childhood, guitars and meetings his hero, Joe Bonamassa. Well, Matt needs your help. Through 2023, Matt has been undergoing treatment for bowel cancer, and his recent prognosis has meant that to extend his life and retain a chance of survival, he needs to seek private treatment outside of the NHS. Matt's family have set up a GoFundMe page that is linked in the Guitar Smarts link tree in the description of this podcast. And we at the Guitar Smarts podcast would like to invite each and every listener to consider donating towards this fund that could well save the life of one of the brightest guitar talents of our generation. Now is the time, folks. Head on over to the link in the description to find the GoFundMe page. Donate what you can. Your donation could save a life. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Anyone that knows me and my OCD natures and when they bring me a guitar, it comes back to them like a new guitar and they're like, wow, you've cleaned it. And I'm just like, I haven't just cleaned it. I've, 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 I've really cleaned it. Greetings. Welcome to another Guitar Smarts podcast. Thanks for joining us. Now, you may not know this, but my Guitar Smarts co-host, Mr. Kieran Amlawala, is a fully trained, vastly experienced guitar technician. And he believes that there are eight basic guitar maintenance tasks that each and every guitarist should be able to perform. Now, this was a long conversation and it's jam-packed with information. So this week is part one. Subscribe to the podcast in your favourite podcast app so that you don't miss part two next week and all the other Guitar Smarts podcasts. Come and give us a like on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Guitar Smarts, and follow us on Instagram using the handle at guitar underscore smarts. That's enough waffle from me. Let's get to it. So this week, um, we thought it would be a good idea to have a chat about some of the things that I think every guitarist should know about guitar setup. Now, uh, this, uh, I don't think it's, it's too controversial a statement to say that, right? But I think it's like, I, I, I kind of think it's like owning a car in some ways, right? There are certain things that you know uh, will experience wear and tear on a car and there are certain things you need to do to a car to keep it kind of running and functional um, and there are certain things where you go well that's just either too complicated or I need specialist tools to do or a level of experience and confidence that I don't have and that's when you you, you take it to a mechanic right so I, I think about guitars in in the same way so I think it's really useful for every guitarist to be able to have uh, an understanding of how to do some of the basics. So what we thought would be useful today to cover is, you know, what are the key basic parts of guitar setup that every guitarist should really know? 
and then and then and then kind of say which are the ones that actually um, you need a bit more of an intermediate level of experience in terms of guitar tech setup to to do, and that's fine if you if you're comfortable, you can have a go. If you're not, take it to a to a tech or um, some of the more advanced stuff, which uh, has taken me certainly years to to gain confidence and knowledge and the right tools to do properly. Um, and I would advise people that unless they're on a kind of journey to becoming a tech or um, have got some guitars that they want to learn and experiment and build knowledge on that maybe there are some jobs that you just you give to a tech because um, they are they are specialist jobs. Um, but hopefully it's a way then for people to understand what things they could do quite easily, save a bit of money uh, and not take it to a tech and do it themselves um, and know when they do need to perhaps save their money and and stress and um, give it to somebody else to, to to take care of. So that's that's what I thought thought we'd go through today. And that's a fine line that for, for a lot of people is going to be in a different place, right? For a lot of people, yeah. I imagine for a lot of guitarists, right, changing the strings is something they'll do and everything else potentially is is something that they don't understand or don't know they have to do or they would take to a technician to do. But as you say, there's more that you can do yourself than people realise. I think so. And I think what the... What you can do with so, so I think there's eight basic parts of guitar setup that every guitarist should feel comfortable doing. Okay, there's there's probably about you know forty different parts of true guitar setup. You know which you would then go beyond that, those eight that you do yourself and and either learn how to do properly or or, or take it to a tech. Um, but I think there's eight basic things that that every guitarist um, should feel should feel comfortable doing, and I think if you know those eight things, it can probably actually um, uh, decrease the frequency and level of work needed when you take it to a tech to to get it um, you know overhauled because you've you've kind of cared for the instrument and kept it at a certain standard of, of playability before things you know really start to wear out and it, and it needs some major work for example on on the frets or or electronics or something like that okay that so make, yeah it makes complete sense to me and i think one thing to point out as well is is, is this something that is true of all guitars to you this is not just something that's specific to is this specific to electric guitar maintenance or is this generally these eight points that you're mentioning is this something that you that's for all guitars yeah so the so the eight points are definitely applicable to all guitars um <clears throat> one of the eight points is some basics on electronics so i mean if your guitar is an acoustic without any electronics and things then, then certainly you can you can ignore that one but um, a lot of people have, you know, uh, classical and and steel strung electroacoustics that, that have some degree of electronics in it, and so so what I'm going to talk about with that regard, you know, to some extent applies to those as well. So I think these eight basics apply to pretty much any any guitar, um, and then. I think there's a few in, uh, that we'll cover as intermediate uh, kind of things that, that go beyond those eight steps, which, you know, may be very specific to certain types of guitar. Um, for example, things uh, with like a Flo Floyd Rose trem or something mm -hmm. like that, which I think mm -hmm. is, a, is a little bit more complex for, for, for some people to, to kind of get to grips with. Yeah. And then we go into the advanced stuff, which is um, not necessarily stuff that applies to specific guitars, but it's certainly things that I think only a tech should should do on your guitar okay yeah.
dear listener, here is your chance to be on the Guitar Smarts podcast. Do you have any questions? Do you have any suggestions for topics for the future? Do you have anything you want to say or comments for things that we've spoken about in the past? Well, if you leave us a message or drop your comments on Instagram or Facebook, then we'll be sure to mention you in a future podcast. Anyway, back to it. Cool. So let's make a start. So eight basic tasks <laughs> okay so i'm going to try and make this fun and rather than just make it a list cool uh, and, and as i was kind of preparing for this because because i've kind of gained this knowledge um through a lot of trial and error learning from some really really great people as well there's a guy called uh steve who um was a great mentor to me growing up uh steve is you know uh, he ran the guitar shop in the in the in the local town i worked for him at that guitar shop for many years and he's a he was a very accomplished uh guitar repair tech uh luthier um you know and is indeed you know to this day an exceptional carpenter so uh you know this is somebody who, who was was really able to teach me and ground me in some of the basics mm-hmm. and I spent a lot of years you know watching and seeing how he did things um and his kind of uh, view on doing things was was very much by feel as well as uh using certain specific tools to do things so I think that's 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 quite an interesting thing that we're going to touch upon here as well as I, I think a lot of people get scared about doing some of this stuff because they're like I haven't got the right tools and I and I don't want to invest in loads of tools or certain you know calibration equipment or measure measuring you know uh, things that need to be you know to set actions at the correct height and a lot of what i learned was done using some very basic tools uh for for the for, for these eight basic steps that i'm going to cover um what i also did in in kind of uh, just reflection of, of today because a lot of this i've kind of gained as knowledge and it's become second nature to me now is i tried to see what resources and things were available on the internet that i could direct people to to say well look if you want to have a, a read about this have a look um certainly websites like uh, stu mac um have great information on them and some really good videos and tutorials that people can follow up on if they want to learn more about it um but what I also learned when I was prepping and kind of thinking about how to explain all of this years of knowledge uh, to, to people for this podcast was there's a lot of really bad information out there on the internet. Oh, really? Stuff. Yeah, and I hadn't really appreciated it because it's been years since I've looked up, you know, and, and read, you know, how do you adjust the trust rod? Because I, I know how to do it. I've been doing it for years. Um, or how do you... Uh, I don't know how do you, how do you set the intonation correctly and all those kind of things and some of the stuff that I've been reading online uh, over the last kind of day or two it's just it's just plain wrong or just not very good advice so um, well don't forget Karen the internet is the place where the truth goes to die so <laughs> in all areas of life. <laughs> Well, this, this is this is true. This is true. But these were on some relatively reputable websites as well. Like, wow. you know, uh, so anyway, I thought what I thought would be quite fun, and I'm not going to pick on any any individual or any website or anything like that, and say, well, this is just wrong. But what I will do is I'll, I'll try and kind of um, comment on some of the stuff that I've read online, uh, like that says do it in this way. And, and mm-hmm. if I think that's really wrong or not the correct way of doing it, then I'll, then I'll say as well because I want I want people to feel comfortable and safe in what they're doing but I also want don't want them to, to make some kind of rookie mistakes or follow some bad advice that may be out there on on the internet mm-hmm. um, so you probably want to know what the eight basic steps are yeah let's go uh, through it let's uh, let's let's, right. let's let's uh, work our way through your tips to guitar technical freedom 
Right. And, let's uh, see how much. Uh, see, see how many <laughs> how many of these we 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 get through. We get right. Through. So yeah. the eight. We're going to try and at least nail the eight today. And if we cool. do a follow up on the intermediate and advanced stuff, then then great. But step step number one, and it will be of no surprise to you. You've already mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Changing your strings. Right. Changing the strings, yes. Changing absolutely. the strings on your guitar, which I remember when I got my first guitar, um, I kind of, it was daunting. I was like, I didn't know where to begin with changing strings. Yeah. So, you know, it might sound like an obvious and basic one and something that anybody listening to this podcast is should be doing. But I, 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 can, I can imagine there are some people that are just really not comfortable changing strings. I still um, get it wrong. I'll admit to that now. You? There are still times for me where, actually, the last time I changed the strings on my Les Paul, finished changing it i got it all done and um played it for about two minutes and the first string just came off at okay the machine head obviously i um i think i'd either cut it too short or I'd not wound it properly i just thought you know i i actually just kind of stick the string in leave a leave a bit of excess so i know i can get wines on it and then just kind of wind it on whilst keeping it under pressure with my finger kind of thing but i don't okay i don't know what i'm doing wrong really if i am doing something wrong so Here's, All right, here's so let's, where we learn the secrets. So, well, let's let's take that then as a, as a starting example. There is, and and this will depend on the on the kind of how the string attaches to your particular machine head. If it's on mm-hmm. a, like a a Les Paul style kind of tuning peg, or, or kind of there's lots of different Fender style ones depending on how they they kind of mount the string yeah. onto that. But let's use your Les Paul for example then, because the same principle of what I'm going to say applies to every uh, guitar machine head in terms of how you attach a string figure out or learn what the locking uh principle is for attaching a string to your machine head and by that i don't mean have locking machine heads i mean there is a way you can wrap a string around the tuning post um, that will effectively lock it so that even if the string isn't up to pitch as if you pull on it as a loose string, it, it will lock and it will not, um, hmm. you know, come free of, of okay. the, the tuning head. That's the first step, right, is so on your Les Paul, this is going to be quite difficult to describe uh, verbally without having a guitar to it's, kind of illustrate th- to people. It's a through post. Um, yeah. yeah, it's right. a through post. So yeah. what I would do on a Les Paul is I would obviously put the string through the tailpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, the ball end will obviously slot into the into the stop tailpiece. It goes yeah. over the saddle uh, piece there. Use that as a guide to keep it in. It doesn't matter if it pops out during this process. You can you can always re realign it into the saddle. Obviously, pull the string up the length of the neck. And then what I do is I turn the tuning peg so that the through hole on your tuning peg is at 90 degrees to the to the neck. All right. Right. So okay. If that, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, so, so the string it, isn't traveling straight up through the post correct. in one straight line. Okay. It has correct. to turn at 90 degrees to go through the post. Okay. Exactly right. So then guide the string along through the nut, wrap it around the inside of the tuning post Mm -hmm. so that the string then comes around and then towards the outside and then threads back through at that 90 degrees. So do you not take the string straight through the post? When no. you're doing no, you you put no. a wind on yourself first, and then it's not even a it's not even a full wind. It's probably about a half a wind, if anything, because oh. it's the, the string is going um, basically through the nut, 
are following inside the uh, tuning post. Mm -hmm. It wraps around. And then if you imagine, we've put that tuning post at 90 degrees, the hole at mm -hmm. 90 degrees. So we, the end of the string will then come back round and then thread through Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, outside of the, uh, tuning post through the hole. And at that point, if you pull the string, the length of the string up and lift it, it will be mm -hmm. locked. It'll be locked in place. Really? Yeah. And then you can start winding. Right. Okay. So each tuning, each tuning post is going to have its own peculiarities about how the string mounts onto it. As you said, on, the, on your machine has, on, on your Les Paul, it's a, it's a through, it's a through post. So that's, the, that would be the way to lock it on that. Well, my, my strat isn't, my strat is the no. vintage kind of fender where you go down into the post rather than through right. the post. Okay. So same principle on that one. Put the string through the, through the saddle, um, uh, on, on your, uh, strat it will probably go through the through the trem block up over uh through the body over the saddle mm -hmm. then on the on the fenders what i do for that because again there's an there's a neat little trick to finding how much string length do you need because your string is invariably going to be really long mm. um and you've got to poke it down onto the top end right of the yeah. of the tuning post so a little rule of thumb on those ones is take the string length um and say let's say we're restringing the uh, I don't know the low E okay. <clears throat> measure up to uh, the the two tuning posts ahead from that so right. to the D measure okay. measure the length of the string to the D and cut there all right that will right, be okay. that will be plenty of string length now to work with okay um, all right so you've you've then measured an appropriate length of string because you know a, a string coming out of a, a of a packet if you then try and poke that that end of into that low e tuning post and then start w wrapping it around you're going to end up with like 50 <laughs> winds of string on your yeah. tuning post right yeah. it's too long already right? and it's not and and more importantly it's not going to lock properly before we start putting the the wraps around the tuning post mm -hmm. because there's too much string length there to play with and yeah. my principle is is always lock that string in some way just using the mechanics of the tuning post and the string before you then start applying your winds don't rely on the winds going around as as the bit that keeps your string Mm -hmm. uh, in place so, so yeah. tool alert here snips so this is the uh, first tool i guess we're looking at here that a guitar should have is yes. a pair of snips of some kind not scissors or anything and it doesn't have to be expensive i mean i have one of these obviously you can't see it but i keep one of these which is for people listening because nobody can see this it's a string winder for winding my string but it's also yeah. a cutter that will cut my strings that does a good job and if you've got an acoustic it pops out your little your bridge pins, um, bridge pins as well Great. Yeah, yeah there's loads of them available on Amazon or whatever. Planet yeah. Waves do a bunch. You can find loads on, on the internet. But absolutely, tool number one that you will need is a decent set of string snips to, in this instance, uh, what we're talking about is cut, cut, cutting the strings to length. I know some mm -hmm. people like to leave inordinate amounts of <clears throat> string loose once they've put it on. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not really a fan of that. Cut it, cut it to length. So on your strap... Once you've got measured the right length of string, so you've taken the string length, you've measured two tuning posts uh, ahead of it to get the right length of string, you've cut the string, pop it uh, again, adjust the tuning post so that mm -hmm. it's at, at 90 degrees um, mm -hmm. to, 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 the, to the neck, um, pop it down into the hole and wrap it round. Uh, again, it's, it's not even a full wind. It's like three quarters of a, a wind around the top 
of the of the uh, post to get your first wind. But then if you've done it correctly, you'll have created a kink and um, a lock with the string first yeah. so that again if you pull it won't it won't come out of the mm-hmm. of the tuning post so that's that's the first key thing to stopping string slippage and tuning issues um or in what in in the extreme case what you found on your les paul when you restrung it as soon as you started tuning it it just popped out yeah um, and i had a, I'd had a fairly decent number of wines on it i think what mm, i've done mm. is um i hadn't done that locking thing properly and also, I think I potentially cut the excess off too close to the tuning peg afterwards. Yeah. And I think maybe yeah. it just slipped out under tension. Well, this is the thing that often happens as well. And if you've locked the string correctly, you can actually cut off all the way up to the tuning post and mm-hmm. and it won't come out mm-hmm. um, when you start tuning it because the lock is... Um, you know, behind, you know, mm-hmm. where, where, you're, way behind where you're cutting, it's actually the lock is formed at that first kink around the mm-hmm. tuning post. So it, so it mitigates a couple of different things. But mm-hmm. certainly, if you haven't locked it, it doesn't matter how many winds you put around there. If you end up cutting it uh, off the excess too close, um, it, it will just slip back through and it will, it will just ping off. So, mm-hmm. so there's okay. a handy, a handy little tip. I mean, we could, we could spend hours talking about the different, <laughs> you know, locking yeah. ways and different <laughs> tuning posts, but that's not going to make for, for a lot of fun. So the first tip is really get yourself a decent set of string snips and figure out for your machine head, uh, mm-hmm. for your p- tuning post, what's the right way to lock the string is onto that tuning post before you even start wrapping uh, and tuning the, the okay. string up to pitch it makes a big difference and will save you a lot of heartache down the line when you're trying to stretch in those strings and uh you know with tuning stability and, and things like that good okay um how often you change your strings is kind of down to how how much you can afford to change your strings and how often how, you play yeah how often do you play how often yeah. you sweat i think that's pretty common knowledge um quick question string, about that actually yeah so so even if you don't play very often should you still be looking to change your strings at some kind of interval yeah or does for it sure. not really affect the guitar well, it, it does affect the guitar. It affects the tone because the strings will naturally tarnish anyway. Even though you know modern strings are are you know uh, made of materials that <clears throat> don't you know instantly tarnish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you can get coated strings that certainly last longer. Um, and if you like the feel of them, because I think you can feel the coating on them to some extent, um, depending mm. on the manufacturer, they definitely do last longer. And when I say last longer, that's in terms of tonal quality and clarity and brightness and how mm-hmm. chimey they are. So over time, you'll start to, even on a guitar that you're not playing very often, you'll you'll notice that the strings start to, start to sound duller. Mm-hmm. And again, that will be influenced not only by atmospheric kind of tarnishing, but you know the level of sweat and and things like that that you have in your hands when you when you play. Um, and also, strings as they age um, start to naturally and slowly exert less tension on the guitar as well. They right. they become looser uh, and. Uh, almost at an imperceptible level, but it will have an impact on how much that string pulls up against the the, the truss rod and the neck. And so you can find that you're, as well as the wood changing and and under certain you know temperature conditions and things, if you've got a really old set of strings on a guitar, you never start to try and set up the guitar with that old set of strings on it because again, mm-hmm. it's just going to make your life more difficult because the string is not exerting a nice constant predictable force because it's mm-hmm. just an old knackered mm-hmm. string. So, you know, if you, if you've got a guitar that you haven't played for 
let's say six months because you know it's just sitting on a wall you would expect those strings to sound dull and not be in in, in brilliant condition even if they were haven't been played for for six months i would i would say mm, maybe think about changing them cool so i guess if you're doing any kind of setup on your guitar always always have new strings ready to go yeah um, the last thing i wanted to ask about strings is is there a, is, should you aim for a certain number of wraps around your machine head? Or is it just a case of two or three is enough? Two, two or three is definitely enough. I think um, there's a lot of mythology around this as well. People talk about the fact that if you have excessive number of wraps around there, it can prematurely age the tuning uh, peg and your, age your machine heads and things like that. Um, I'm not sure that's entirely true. I think it's definitely worse having too many wraps around the, the uh, tuning peg. I found it mm-hmm. can lead to more kind of slipping type issues. And also, it's a small thing, right? But the number of wraps around your tuning post also dictates to some extent the brake angle over the nut of Got that it. string yeah. because depending on where that string ends up finishing around the tuning post because it's either got one or two wraps or you know 10 wraps um actually has a has a small but sometimes important difference on the actual angle of the string over the over the nut particularly if you if you've got a guitar that hasn't got string trees like a les paul and so it's often worth experimenting and and playing with the number of wraps uh if you're having tuning issues uh particularly on something like a les paul um uh to kind of see if that makes a difference by um adding or subtracting a few different wraps and changing the break angle provided the nut has been cut properly and is and is well lubricated but as a rule of thumb for me two to three times around the tuning post is absolutely fine and put two three times around yeah cool anything more than that's overkill anything less than that and and you might you might um yeah uh you might change the brake angle a little bit too much so two to three times is fine but don't be tempted to you know because the manufacturer has given you this excessive length of string don't be tempted to go well all of that needs to go around the tuning post (laughs) it definitely doesn't yeah (laughs) (laughs) awesome so sorry to interrupt this super interesting conversation. However, if you've made it this far, you should probably subscribe to the Guitar Smarts podcast. You can do that in your favourite podcast app. Go and do that now and then come back to the show. Let's get back to it. So basics everyone should know number two, Kieran. Right. What is that? Cleaning and oiling the fretboard. Anyone that knows me and my OCD natures and <laughs> when they bring me a guitar, it comes back to them like a new guitar and they're like, wow, you've cleaned it. I'm just like, I haven't just cleaned it. <laughs> I've, 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 I've really cleaned it. I took it in the bath with me. <laughs> no, but I think cleaning and oiling the fretboard um, is, is a really good thing to do whilst you're changing the strings anyway, right? So what, be, what are the benefits of that? So, uh, and we should talk about the type of fretboard. So obviously anything that's a lacquered maple fretboard, um, you don't need to do any, any kind of lacquered fretboard. You don't need to do, uh, in terms of oiling it, maybe yeah. to use some very light, um, furniture, 
polish or um, even just a a damp cloth, very Mm -hmm. slightly damp, uh, not sopping wet, and just give it a wipe over and and a dry with a tissue if it's a if it's a lacquered board. Nothing right. So that's because because it's a lacquered board. There's no exposed wood, right? There's there's no exposed. Yeah, exactly. Unless obviously it's a vintage instrument where the um, where you've kind of played through the lacquer and things. But again, if you're talking about that type of thing, I would just just leave it and let it age and Mm -hmm. you know exhibit it. Graceful kind of aged self. Um, mm-hmm. So we're talking about unlacquered fretboards here. So the kind of rosewood or rosewood equivalents that or ebony boards. And I know that actually manufacturers are using a whole heap of different um, kind of tone woods and, and yeah. uh, manufacturing woods now for for um, fretboards. But um, yeah, we're talking about the the kind of rosewood uh, type uh, boards that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, just just give them a, a, a light oiling. Uh, I I tend to do it um, every other time I change my strings on a on a guitar. If it's a regular guitar that I'm using and I'm changing the strings, maybe let's say once a month on it, mm-hmm. um, uh, then I would yeah oil oil the fretboard. And the advantages of doing that is that these woods can dry out mm-hmm. uh, over time, particularly if they're if you live in a uh, a country where that you know it's exposed to different temperatures where it's you know going from extremes uh, of hot and cold and things like that and they can crack over time um it's rare to see it but you do see it um but also i think there's something nice about playing on a really nice clean and oiled fretboard not mm-hmm. so that the oil ends up on your fingers but it just it it looks nice and it kind of feels nicer to play and you can there's nothing worse than seeing like a dry uh you know, fingerboard on a guitar. So it's a piece of yeah. wood. It's it's untreated. It's unlacquered. So look after it and nourish it with um, some lemon oil is really mm-hmm. good. Uh, again, used sparingly. Um, I also like using boiled linseed oil as well. But again, it, that's got different properties and you need to kind of work with it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, it can give you some really nice results if you use it in the right amount and apply it and take it off in the right way. But I would say for, for any beginner, get some, get some lemon oil, pure, mm-hmm. pure lemon oil. It's available as a furniture polish and, and utilize, utilize and you that. You can also, if you, if you, cause I think, cause I've lemon, lemon oiled my, uh, Les Paul fretboard and Strat fretboard, um, as well. And, you don't, I don't think you have to go out and, uh, to like some specialist supplier to find this. Do you? The, these are products available in guitar stores, right? As products for guitarists as well, because I know that the lemon oil I use is from you know a manufacturer. I can't remember who, um, but I yeah. got it in a guitar store, and in the bottle it's got an applicator in the top, so I don't even have to like use a rag or get the right amount. I can just take yeah. the lid off the bottle and then start. <clears throat> putting it straight onto my fretboard and then I just kind of wipe off all the excess and, and kind of, you know, rub which it I think it. is, I think is fine. Um, no, they're not, it's not specialist. I mean, I've got loads of different lemon oils and, and linseed oils and stuff mm. here that I use. I mean, I found it was much more cost effective in fact to, um, buy lemon oil, uh, in the form of a furniture polish because it's right. used as a furniture polish all the time right yeah. now i also know i'm i'm, I'm showing you like a ma- massive bottle of, of lemon oil right i know that if i go and buy that size i've got another one there that size of um uh, guitar lemon oil yeah that's badged as guitar lemon oil uh, you know in about uh, i don't know what it probably is about 10 15 mil bottle it was it was 
so expensive compared to buying that yeah. entire bottle just because yeah. it's badged as Which is about half a litre by the looks of it. <laughs> oh, it's a massive <laughs> bottle, right? That's, yeah. that's going to last me for years, but I do a lot of people's guitars. So exactly. this cost me a couple, of, a couple of quid, and it literally is um, pure natural lemon oil for uh, this exact purpose. So you don't awesome. even have to, to buy guitar lemon oil. Um, so as you say, the benefits of that is you're protecting your instrument. You're, you're, yeah. you're making it you're protecting its longevity but also there is definitely a more comfortable playing experience i think so. i think i think i i feel like and it's not just you know um um what's the word when you think it is and it's not really you know placebo it's not a placebo yeah. thing because you've yeah. done it and you expect it. <clears throat> genuinely does provide a more playing a more comfortable playing experience I think so because your fingers do come into contact uh, with the with the fretboard uh, as you're playing. It's not just the strings hitting the top of the frets, and your and your and your fingers don't go anywhere near the fretboard wood itself. They do, and so Mm -hmm. you'll feel and notice that difference. Um, But also, it's not just the fretboard. If you've got um, you know acoustic guitars and things while you're um, changing the strings on that, Mm -hmm. you know the saddle um, area. um, Ah, that's a good point. Bridge plate is yeah. Yeah, yeah. Give that, give that the the same kind of treatment. Yeah. I wouldn't use it on the body of a of an acoustic at all. No, um, that, that's a different kind of thing. But anything that's raw, uh, natural wood, mm-hmm. um, keep it keep it oiled. Um, you, I mean, you spoke about applying it directly with an applicator from the bottle. I mean, I would just be careful of that. I, mm-hmm. I personally like to use a kind of uh, lint free cloth or mm-hmm. kind of uh, workshop tissue that doesn't give loads of fibers and stuff off and yeah, the, apply the amount uh, that I want before I then apply it to the guitar. Yeah. The, the, and I should explain, actually, the bottle I have has kind of like a felt yeah. top. So it's kind of, yeah. do you remember Fast Fret? How I that do. was kind of like, it's kind of like that. It's a bottle of lemon oil, but I can't yeah. pour it. It's not pourable. Yeah. When you turn it up, it yeah. just, it just makes, it, it makes the felt top of the bottle fill with yeah. lemon oil and then you kind yeah. of rub it on with that um yeah. so yeah so I, I would never kind of just pour lemon oil over it like i'm kind of drizzling no, raspberry um, sauce over but, an ice cream or <laughs> but my what my worry with those type of applicators is if the foam or the or the other applicator perishes in any way or the yeah the mechanism that delivers the right amount of oil into the applicator fails in any way and you end up yeah. with big blobs of this stuff going all over especially for me if i'm working on a customer's guitar that's that's not something that i want to have to then try and you know remove even though it's fairly innocuous stuff um but i always just apply sparingly what i need to the right cloth and then mm. i can control how much goes in um and also then i can use the same cloth to wipe it off because what we haven't spoken about is this stuff shouldn't just be left on there to soak in and dry of its own accord it gets applied mm. left for a couple of minutes and then wiped off as best as you can wipe off all of the excess mm-hmm. so you shouldn't you shouldn't then be playing the guitar and be able to feel or smell you know lemon oil all over mm-hmm. your fingers after having done this it's anyway that's that's kind of just uh you know, Good stuff. So number two, clean and oil the fretboard. Look after yeah, the condition of your fretboard, right? Exactly. Excellent. Right, let's start getting a bit more technical. Right. <clears throat> so while we're changing okay. our strings, cleaning and yep. polishing the frets, right? This is... So you're not, and I'm assuming you're not just talking about giving them a, a wipe with a cloth, right? And no, no. Okay. 
no actually actually giving them a polish so if you if they need it right so this okay. is again not every time you change your strings but your frets will tarnish and get grubby and accrue kind of grime and stuff over over time and this is something that you can definitely feel when you're doing string bends um and you're playing playing the guitar if they if you're playing on a set of really grubby tarnished frets polishing them up and making them shine not only makes it look uh, a hell of a lot better it also makes it play a lot smoother on on nice shiny mm -hmm. friction free fretwork so um definitely something that's really easy to do uh if you're doing it on like a lacquered board i would say be very careful maybe use masking tape and mask off um the the board itself it takes a couple of minutes to do just use like a decorator's low tack tape or that kind of paper tape and kind of mask off uh, the actual fretboard um mm -hmm. before you start polishing them um or you can buy um these kind of little stainless steel string uh kind of uh, also kind of fret guards which oh yeah have a slot in them right and you just slot them over the top of the mm -hmm. the fret and it protects the surrounding um fretboard wood while you're while you're polishing them so mm -hmm. um make sure you you kind of um do that on something like a rosewood board where it's not lacquered Mm -hmm. actually uh you don't need to bother masking it off um and because we're not we're not going to be using something hugely abrasive to polish the, the frets we're not mm -hmm. trying to reshape them we're not trying to recrown them we're just trying to very gently use a light abrasive to take off the surface grime and gunge yeah. and so actually if you're using like some super fine steel wool mm -hmm. um which you can get um to, to polish them like super fine stuff i've got um uh, then actually that mild abrasive on the, on the fretboard itself can clear mm -hmm. off a lot of the gunge and, and grime, um, which you then subsequently oil the fretboard that we've just talked about. Um, what I would say is if you're using super fine um, steel wool, mm -hmm. it's also prudent to maybe put some, again, mask off the pickups um, while you're doing this because mm -hmm. the little fine particles of steel wool and things can get attracted to the the magnets on the pickup and what you then right. end up doing is you look at your pickup and you go why is my pickup covered in these little fine <laughs> uh, silver <laughs> hairs uh, that stick it and they, and they are a pain to remove if you do that so yeah. yeah again carefully just again it's just a piece of paper tape or decorators tape or yeah. something like that just carefully uh, mask off your pickups and then and then um yeah, just apply light pressure. Mm -hmm. um, you don't necessarily need to use anything like a metal polish or stuff like that. But if you want to, you can use a little bit of brasso or silver or mm -hmm. some kind of very, very mild abrasive uh, metal polish if you need to. But the steel wool on itself often does the job. And all you're doing is just very lightly polishing them and you'll see them come up an absolute treat. Um, so, so again, this is, this is, all, this is about maintaining the condition of your guitar, but also improving the playing experience, right? massively so that will okay. really feel slick and comfortable and things to play on um if you're not comfortable using steel wool and you don't want to go to the hassle of the mess and potentially all of the masking off one product that i have discovered which i'm, I'm really enjoying uh using is uh crimson guitars um which is a manufacturer in the uk and they do make some they're you know a luthery company and, and, a, and a school as well um and they sell a lot of their tools they've actually i've bought from them a, a number of different tools recently but one of the things that i've been using for for uh, a year or two now is they have uh, fret 
erasers they're called so oh, they're right, little okay. they're little uh they look like for all intents and purposes a, a, a chunky pencil eraser that, mm-hmm. that we're all familiar with um except embedded into the rubber is a very fine abrasive uh, grit um oh. and they that comes in a pack of them all with different kind of coarseness now i use them um when i'm you know doing a fret level and recrown and then doing the final finishing work on on frets to take them from having just been roughly recrowned mm-hmm. um and shaped to then getting rid of any of the tooling marks and uh, polishing them up to a really a really high shine but in terms of just basic fret polishing and maintenance if you were to to get the super fine version of of, of one of those erasers and use that that would work really nicely as well another interesting conversation hope you enjoyed it come back for more next week to make sure you don't miss it subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app so you never miss a show follow us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash guitar smarts like us on instagram at guitar underscore smarts anyway have a cracking week speak soon